reading from three different passages of God's word, beginning with Genesis chapter 4. The first eight verses. Genesis 4. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee its desire, and thou shalt rule over it. Let us turn from there to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 18. What I'm trying to do is go from the Old Testament to the New Testament to this morning. Luke 18 reading verses 9 through 14. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And now if you'll turn with me to Paul's epistle to the Romans. Reading from Romans chapter 4. The first eight verses. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh, 
is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word again this morning. Beloved our Lord Jesus Christ, as we prepare to come to the table of the Lord in a couple weeks from now, we're called to do an examination. Let's examine how we worship. Are we self-righteous? Or do we come as those who know their sin, who loathe it, and who see that we need to have our iniquities forgiven our sins covered, those to whom the Lord will not impute sin. In other words, is our worship, to coin words that someone else has used, is our worship sweaty brow worship or is it blood-sprinkled worship? The great difference, of course, is the attitude of the heart. Is our worship filled with pride or with humility? For at the root of all sin is pride, isn't it? Pride whereby one attempts to gain for himself what is rightfully God's glory. And so I want to do this by pointing out, by contrast, the worship of Cain and Abel. The worship of the Pharisee and the publican. And finally, our worship. With that is the contrast of how God views and rewards our worship. For we read in scripture that the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. Or again we read, that the sin-stricken publican in his worship was justified, while the Pharisee, with his sin of pride in his own righteousness, was condemned. Romans 4, verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 4, verse 6, yes, David described the blessedness of the man unto whom the Lord imputeth righteousness without works. So in our examination, let's heed the words of the Apostle Paul found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. How do we worship the worship of Cain and Abel? Second of all, the worship of the Pharisee and the publican. And thirdly, examining our worship. 
We begin with, with Cain and Abel with the attitude and the gift of each of them. For Cain and Abel both came to worship the Lord, but what a great contrast in the attitude that they had in their hearts and the gift they bring. Oh yes, Cain comes with a sacrifice. It was the best products of the ground. Almost in his heart, his attitude was, look Lord, what I give you. I give you the sweetest and the best apples of the tree. I give you luscious red tomatoes. And I give you the largest and fattest sweet corn. And look, Lord, look at this fine wheat that I present. No, Lord, I don't give you leftovers. I don't give you something that's rotten and filled with worms. Lord, I give you the best that I can produce. And I do it out of obligation. Surely, he must think, surely the Lord will be pleased with me when I give him. And maybe the Lord will even say, thank you. Thank you, Cain. He brought it with a wicked mind. For we read in Proverbs 21, verse 27, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked heart. So boys and girls, let's ask this morning, what was wrong with Cain's attitude and with Cain's gifts? Pride. I have something that I can contribute to the Lord. I don't need anything from God. What's wrong? He was not coming as a sinner who needs desperately what God alone can give, namely forgiveness of sins and righteousness and life. He did not come seeking propitiation or mercy of God. Rather, his thought was that God is beholden to him. That God should say, thank you. I gave the best that I can. Over against that attitude of Cain, notice the attitude and the gift of Abel. Abel also brings the best, the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. Where did Abel learn that, that he should bring a bloody sacrifice and the fat thereof? Did not God teach that to Adam and Eve in the garden? When God slayed an animal, there was blood shed and their skins clothed naked Adam and Eve? And did not Adam and Eve teach that to their sons and their children? That because of our sins, we need the blood to be shed. How is one able to come into God's presence and enjoy forgiveness and peace and fellowship? And the answer is only, only by the shedding of blood. Looking forward, 
looking forward to that seed of the woman who would come and would lay down his life on the cross. You see, the attitude of Abel is he comes with great sorrow in his heart for his sins. He comes with a need for forgiveness. And he comes with trust. Trust in God's promise to deliver. He comes with a great need for God. Not God needing him. He brings a fitting gift. The blood of a lamb and the fat thereof. And what about their hearts? What about the heart of Cain? Look at his face for just a moment. Look at his face, his countenance falls. The heart of Cain is hard. And becomes even harder when God speaks to him so that there is hatred and murder and rebellion in his hearts. Surely in his heart was, I don't need this God. He needs my gifts. His heart filled with hate for God and then therefore also hatred for his righteous brother Abel's heart is filled with love for God. It's filled with faith in God's promise that he made already there in Genesis 3, verse 15. Precious blood that needed to be shed for removing and washing away his sin. And with that contrast... Beloved, notice also then the contrast in that passage between the reward of Cain and the reward of Abel. For yes, God will reward every person according to their works. Cain's works of pride, bitterness, hatred. God did not have any respect unto Cain or his offering. Notice there what the scripture says. Not only God did not have respect for his offering, God did not have respect for Cain, nor the offering that he brought. And the contrast. For Abel, what is the reward? God had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Again, notice that. The respect, that is... The favor of God is to Abel himself and to the sacrifice that he brings. The blood of a lamb. Blood that's necessary to wash away sins. So let's travel now from the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. For Jesus sees there in his crowd these righteous Pharisees. And he has a word to speak to them. And he tells the parable then. A parable. It's not an actual case, but it's a parable which will make clear the difference between the Pharisee and his self-righteousness and the publican who needs forgiveness for his sins. Beginning with the attitude 
and the prayer of each. While they both, again, worship the same God, what a contrast. The contrast between a self-righteous man and a sin-stricken man. And oh, the difference that lays in their prayers and the state of their heart and their mind which their prayer reveals. What is the attitude? The Pharisees were a sect founded sometime during the 400-year period between Malachi and John the Baptist. During that period, Judah had fallen into all kinds of laxity of morals, worldliness, and spiritual indifference. And the Pharisees, by their conduct, registered a protest against that worldliness and worldly morals and spiritual indifference. And you say, well, that's good. It's good that the Pharisees are pointing out to the people, no, you can't be worldly. You can't be godless in your life. You cannot have spiritual indifference. But those same Pharisees fell into a work righteousness. That a man can become righteous by his own works, works of the law. That he can be saved by his strict adherence to the laws of Moses. But there's a problem, isn't there? The problem is that while outwardly they obeyed, they cut the heart, they cut the heart out of the law of God. There was no love for God. There's no love for their fellow man. The result, they claimed to be able to keep the law and they claimed to be the only heirs of salvation and of God's promises. And therefore they became very proud. As the Pharisees were the most esteemed among the people, the publicans were the most detested among the people. For you see that Rome was dependent upon the taxes collected from the peoples that they ruled over. And therefore they appointed tax collectors who then hired others to do the actual collecting. These publicans were hated by the Jews because many of those tax collectors would collect extra from the people thereby becoming thieves and extortioners, becoming wealthy at the expense of their fellow human beings. But these publicans were hated especially because they worked for Rome. Notice their prayers. They went to the temple to pray. That would be either at the morning Worship time of 9 a.m. or in the afternoon worship at 3 p.m. And there goes the Pharisee in his rich dress, in his bearing, in his appearance, and in his actions, all calculated to attract the attention of the people. Oh, there goes the Pharisee. He did not pray to God. As Jesus points out in that pericope, 
He prayed within himself. Oh, yes, he says, God, I thank you, but he prays with himself because he didn't need God. He was only filled with a sense of his own importance and righteousness. For you see, in prayer, a person reveals himself. He stands in God's presence aware that God sees, God knows, and God watches him. But that Pharisee didn't recognize that he's standing in God's presence. His thanksgiving that he says, oh God, I thank thee, was deceptive. It was hypocritical, wasn't it? He really thought he had nothing to be thankful for because all of his goodness came not from God, but from himself. Yes, God ought to be thankful for him, for his godly life. And he compares himself with his fellow men instead of with God. And he found there in that publican that's standing in the temple the same time that he is, he found in him exact an illustration of what he meant. He spoke about the sins of others, sins that he claims to be free of. The law demanded that a man fast once a year. Lord, I fast twice a week. Aren't I good? And Lord, not only do I keep the law, but I perform more goods, works than are even required of me. I exceed the law of God. And therefore, he was confirmed, he was confident that he was righteous. And over against that detestable prayer, listen to the prayer of the publican. Standing in the presence of a holy God, Aware also that God sees and knows and watches him. He forgets his prayer. To him, God's glorious presence and righteous presence is so overwhelming, his rehearsed petitions are forgotten. And he knows no longer what to pray except just mercy. He asks for mercy. And the prayer and the word there in the Greek is not the normal prayer for mercy, but rather really means to make propitiation. Lord, may it be appease thy wrath. Lord, stop being angry. Oh Lord. Let there be some way in which thy fierce anger is turned away, as we read in Isaiah 12, verse 1. You see, boys and girls, he saw himself as the greatest sinner, while the Pharisee saw himself as the greatest of the righteous, more holy than anyone else. Notice what he says. Have mercy upon me, the sinner. The sinner. 
He hardly dares to make that request. He doesn't earn it. Crying in a corner of the temple, not daring to lift up his eyes to heaven, but looking down. No deed that he can boast of. Nothing in his life that would make him acceptable to God. All he knows is his awful sin. There's no works to bring to God. Notice with me, beloved, the heart of each of them, the heart of the Pharisee and the heart of the publican. The heart of the Pharisee is filled with thoughts of himself and his own goodness. Yes, he had confidence in himself. He trusted that he was righteous. He didn't need anyone. He was sure that God would give him a very high seat there in heaven, justified by his own works. But the opposite is true. He was a sinner no less than anyone else. He was a sinner because he's born in the generations of Adam and Eve, depraved of himself, so corrupt, incapable of doing any good by his own strength or by his own power. His heart is full of the sin of pride. Proud of himself and proud of his own works, he rushes into God's presence boasting his own glory, full of boldness. He gives no glory to God, for he thought he had no sin, therefore no need for forgiveness, no need of the cross, no need of the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that why the Pharisees so hated Jesus? Because Jesus Christ points out their sin and says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Not righteous. For Jesus said, I came not into the world to save the righteous, but sinners. And that salvation comes only through the shedding of blood. The son of pride, he despised everyone else, holding himself high. <coughs> Man, apart from grace, apart from grace, is blind to the truth of his own sinful, depraved nature. The heart of the Pharisee. By contrast, Let's look at the heart of the publican. Not pride, but a humble heart. A humble heart because he stands in the presence of a holy God and he is conscious of his sins. And notice he doesn't only say, I have sinned, but he says, I am a sinner. It's not only the things I do, but it's my heart and it's my life. It's that old man of sin that's within me. He knows his depravity. He knows the sins that flow from the fountain of an evil heart. And therefore he knows that he deserves 
the most terrible punishment available. The heart of the publican is afraid. But beloved, that is exactly the way in which he is to be restored. Looking away from himself, he looks then only in hope to the Lord, not daring to lift his eyes. That God's anger would be appeased by propitiation. That word means the wrath of God turned away, turned away from the sinner to someone else who stands in his place and makes a sacrifice for his sin. The, lamb, the blood of the lamb that was shed over and over in front of the temple, pointing to the cross of Jesus Christ. Those two men, the Pharisee, utterly fearless, marched into God's presence with his own works. The publican, speechless, knowing his sin, and he has nothing that he can offer to God. And notice in that pericope then also the rewards of each one of them. For the Pharisee went home unchanged. The Pharisee went home satisfied with the praises of men as he walks past them. He did not see God. He was condemned. God punishes the sinner. God abases those who lift themselves up, we read in the form. The self-righteous Pharisee remains in his sin condemned. And now the prayer of the publican. That prayer where he didn't dare look up to heaven, but he just cries out, Have mercy on me, the sinner. That prayer brought peace to his heart. Jesus says he went home justified. That means that he experiences, he is conscious of that Righteousness that God has determined eternally to give us. We are eternally justified. And the basis is the cross of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Where Jesus stood in our place, he took our sin and our guilt upon himself. And by his righteous work, he now places that on us. And we become conscious of that righteousness, of that blessing that blessed assurance of justification, that blessed gift of the people of God. Because that blessed gift comes by faith in Christ Jesus. Our righteousness is not of ourselves, but it's only in Christ Jesus. And so the glory of our salvation goes completely to God, not us. God chose us. God declares us righteous in Christ Jesus. He gave us to Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. And now by faith, the Holy Spirit assures us. Yes, sinner, your sins are many. 
your sins of your thoughts, your words, your actions. How detestable. Do you see how holy I am? And the Holy Spirit assures us, but through the grace of God, those sins are gone. And we are thankful. We experience that peace. God's not against us, but he's for us in Christ Jesus. So we went through an Old Testament story, and now we went through a New Testament story. And I'm not going to stop there. Now we come to us and our worship. This morning, every morning, as we go through our lives, are our hearts lifted up in pride? Or are we humbled, hardly daring to look up to heaven where there is a holy God? Do we come with pride like Cain? Oh, Lord, look, this is the nicest, sweetest tomato possible and what a good apples look at what i've done lord we worship twice on every sunday when most churches only have one worship service oh lord we have the truth we don't just have hamburgers for a meal but we have steak to eat and lord look Look at how much money we give for kingdom causes especially the tuition bills for our christian education for our children Do we compare ourselves with others or do we compare ourselves with God and his law? May there be great humility. Examine in the weeks ahead. Do you, do I consider our sins and do we consider the curse due to us for those sins? Do you, do I abhor and humble myself before God, considering that the wrath of God is so great? Examine. What are we seeking? Are we bringing forth our own righteousness, the good deeds that we have done, or are we seeking God's righteousness of guilty sinners? Let's look at our best works. Are they not so many filthy rags? Oh, we do the good works to show our thankfulness. But do we look to our works for assurance of our salvation? Is there not flaws even in the best work as we give our gifts for the kingdom or as we pay the tuition for the Christian education of our children? Is there some grumbling and complaining and saying, boy, it sure is expensive? Do we come and worship on Sunday and say, boy, it sure is a nice day outside, sun shining, not today, it's rainy, but I could be elsewhere on the golf course, maybe at the lake. 
do you and I look at our own works for assurance of our salvation? And may the answer then be no. No, and looking at our sins and seeing our sins and those sins testifying in our conscience against us, we look away from self and we look to our God in Christ Jesus alone. Yes, let's examine our hearts. Do I believe in the faithful promise of God that our sins are forgiven us only for the sake and the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you and I believe that the perfect righteousness of Christ is imputed, is freely given to us as our own by faith? And do we cry out then, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. How I need thee, O Lord, how I need thee every hour. We take God's word in Romans chapter 4. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom the Lord imputeth righteousness without works. Examine. Where does your faith lie? In what you or I have done? Or does our faith lie in God who has given the Christ, who suffered and died for needy sinners? to call them to repentance. Not the sweat of the brow kind of religion, my works, but rather the blood-sprinkled religion looking to Jesus Christ and finding in him forgiveness of all of our sins and great abundant mercy. And therefore we give the glory to God alone. We don't walk around proud like the Pharisee wanting everyone else to see us and say, oh, what fine man, what a fine woman, what fine children. Sinners. Giving glory to God. Singing all that I am, I owe to thee. That is the everlasting song of the saints. Saved by the mercy of God Almighty in Christ. The words of a hymn, not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul, not what my toiling flesh has borne can make my spirit whole. Thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin, Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Thy grace alone, O God, to me can pardon speak. Thy power alone, O Son of God, can this sore bondage break. May our worship be 
the blood-sprinkled atonement of Christ Jesus. Thankful for that salvation, rejoicing in God's glory, who is willing to save sinners like you and I. Amen. Father in heaven, this examination business is not an easy one for us because we know our own sinful hearts that like to find pride and boast of what we do. Show us, as thou hast this morning, in the publican and in Abel. Show us our sins and our great need for Christ Jesus. Work within us that sorrow for sin. Work within us a hatred of that sin, loathing that sin. And continue, O oh Lord, to work in us that work of grace and faith so that we look away from ourselves to the only source of salvation, our God in Jesus Christ and his atonement on the cross. And so we pray with a publican, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner, Lord, make propitiation for my sins. Lord, take away all of my sins. We thank thee for Christ. Increase our faith. Amen.